This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Scotty Chef, the chef, Nick, scores big, and the ball being rolled back. Nick, before we get to any of that stuff, how's your game right now? We need a GUR report. Let's let's start with the GUR report. The GUR report is since the last GUR report, um, I've played two rounds of golf. 36 holes of oh GUR opportunities to, to report. Uh, you want to take a guess before I tell you? 36 holes. You want me to guess? You seem a little bit excited about it. Um, you told me about your golf course. Uh, that has OB City on the left. I'm going to say out of 36 holes, you hit five greens in regulation. That's right. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that puts uh, you yeah, up to six for the year? Six. Six for the year. So I hit I hit three wow. in my most recent round, two in the round before that. Every round, I've gone up by one. I think my ceiling is going to be like five or six. I was kind of mapping out like my my golf goals. And I think if I can hit five greens around, I can probably shoot in the 80s pretty consistently. And uh, all I got to do is sneak one one into the 70s. Uh, So, yeah, we're trending in the right direction. It's still the preseason. Now, how many of those five were one putts? Um. Uh, two, one or two. Let's see. I think I made my first, I made my first two birdie attempts. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm two for six on birdie attempts. I'm on a cold streak since then. I don't know, man. 33% is pretty good. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> that is your GUR report brought to you by T-Box Coffee. T-Box Coffee is a roast to order coffee brand in the heart of Southern California. Package for the golfer who could shoot 68. At the golfer who shoots 112, use promo code TURN15 at checkout. And a reminder, the promotion is still going. Rate and review at the turn on Apple Podcasts. Australia, we see you. Got a big bump in Australia last week, Nick. Who knows why, but thank you so much for listening down under. It's no surprise. All you have to do, <laughs> all you have to do <laughs> is go to Apple Podcasts and in your review, guess how many greens in regulation Nick is going to hit with the months of March and April combined, if you're right, if you're close, you have a chance to win a box of Piper golf balls. I let the boys, I played a little golf yesterday. I let the mm. boys uh, enjoy some Piper golf balls. And uh, one of my friends was blown away with the alignment line. He's like, he looked at it and he's like, is this legal? Can you have an alignment line like this on your golf ball? I'm like, yeah, dude, that's the whole point. It's really helpful, isn't it? He's like, yeah, this is this, this feels like cheating. Cheat yeah, legally it, it does. with Piper Golf. Do you do you use the line? I do. I do. I didn't I didn't used to. Um, and this is actually I don't know if I've ever told you this. So I always put my golf ball logo up, like on the T or like lift clean in place. I always look at the logo because I was taught by my mom, she taught me to play golf. She's like, always look at the logo. And that's just something that got beaten in my brain. So I did that when I was putting, but because the alignment line is so sweet on the Piper golf balls, I I switched to that, and now and now I just use that. Yeah, so I I, I love it too, and I've I've never been an alignment line person because I just feel like it, it messes with my routine too much. And mm. I was just on the rundown, but let's just let's just go into it. But let's I go. have in the off season, I've 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 seen some studies and, and heard some some people talk about 
it's just it's a proven fact that if you use the alignment line, you make more putts. Like it is statistically proven in, in study after study. But now, so this year I'm using it, but I feel like I'm getting in my head because like I feel like if I line it up and then I stand over the ball and I and I don't love it, it's just really hard to either commit to it or then I have to like step off or I have to just hit it when it's like slightly misaligned with oh. where I'm actually trying to hit it. So like I don't know. I don't I, I I'm not very good, I guess, at like actually lining it up exactly where I want it, maybe. Well, that that is part of it because you have to learn how to use the alignment line. It sounds kind of silly, but that is an important aspect of it, especially if the putt has a lot of break or a very mm-hmm. subtle break. Like if you're trying to go like inside left and you're trying to use the alignment line, but to align it inside left as opposed to straight, that can be a little tricky, especially if you don't trust it standing over it. Like you have to get used to mm-hmm. how you align it when you're re- like lining up your putt. And then when you're standing over it, those are two different things. It's two different like lines of sight. So they're different. It makes sense to me, Nick. I haven't, yeah. I'm a little bit worried now that it's going to be in my head and maybe it'll mess with me. Now I'm going to think about you when I'm looking at the, looking at a, my, uh, my putt trying to, trying to not have a four putt, but um, yeah, Piper golf balls, extraordinary golf balls. Use promo code turn 10 at checkout for savings. Look at that. Just a, just another ad for a wonderful golf ball, Piper Golf. Um, Nick, we had the Survivor Pool. It's still going for some people, the at-the-turn Survivor Pool. Uh, I was eliminated the first week. You hung on for a while, didn't you? Didn't you make it a month in? I made it to February, yeah. Um, mm. Matt Fitzpatrick let me down, not to not to open up old wounds, but yeah, this household all take a, took a hit in, in one fell swoop. It was too bad. Well, ironically... Um, Matt Fitzpatrick just cost a uh, matchstick golf president, Dane Delgado, his entry in the survivor pool. We're down to four, four people after the Valspar uh, remain intact as we go into the match play event. So if, if these people make it to Augusta, that's, that's very impressive. I, I didn't make it out of Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I was, at, I've been wondering about that. I've been meaning to ask you where, where it stands. Uh, Cause we haven't checked in in a while, but I appreciate the update. It's good to know. My brother, who I had to force into this pool, is one of the four people left. So I really hope he doesn't win because the, ugh. I just wanted his 10 bucks. I didn't want him to win the whole damn thing. Anyway, I digress. Nick, did you see the champion's dinner menu from Chef, Scotty Chef? Uh, I I did. I did see it. Yeah. What would you think of it? Um, we're we're, we're going to run down it, but I'm curious to get your initial thoughts. Gosh, I'm trying to remember what's on it. What does he have? Uh, Here we go. Jalapeno poppers. Yeah, please, please refresh my memory. Yeah, really it, it, it sounds like a TGI Fridays menu. Uh, so here we go. I mean, look, Scotty's the best player in the world. This is the most expected. Like, if I was to read this off to you and you'd guess which Masters Champions dinner menu this was, you'd probably guess Scotty Scheffler. All right. Appetizers. Cheeseburger sliders served Scotty style. I don't, what do you suppose I don't, that I don't know means? what that means. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea what Scotty's style means. Um, firecracker like shrimp. slipping and sliding all over the place. <laughs> just so much sauce. They're just going to be sliding. <laughs> firecracker shrimp, sweet Thai chili, and sriracha mayo. Okay. That's fine. That's sounds, fine. Sounds again, pretty good, actually. I mean, the, the, these both sound good, but again, these both sound like things I could also get at the frozen section at Trader Joe's. Okay. It's going to be a theme. The soup. 
tortilla soup. I love a tortilla soup. Avocado, crispy blue tortilla strips, sour cream, cilantro, and lime. Fine. That sounds fine. Yeah. Solid. For the main course, Nick, you have, you have, you have two options. Texas ribeye steak or blackened redfish. I'd go with the fish. I don't know what redfish is, but it does sound interesting. Yeah. I mean, Georgia is a coastal state, so I trust it. Georgia's a coastal state? Yeah. It is? (laughs) Sure is, dude. What? Okay. I'm looking at a map right now. (laughs) I believe you, but now I'm just like... Holy shit, look at that. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> of you course are. it's a coastal state. Yeah, like what state is east of Georgia? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know what? I wish you would ask me that question 30 seconds ago because I would not have had an answer. The Atlantic Ocean <laughs> yes. is the answer. you got to leave that in. Okay, so with, with the main course, you're going to get family-style mac and cheese, jalapeno creamed corn, Fried Brussels sprouts and seasoned fries. I personally have been on a huge Brussels sprout kick, so that sounds really good to me. And then for dessert, warm chocolate chip skillet cookie, which is just a chocolate chip cookie with uh, a lot of extra adjectives in there. Warm and skillet. Yeah, they, I, it, it sounds really good to me. It sounds like it is going to melt in your mouth, and it's there's going to be just like it's going to be messy. It's going to be chocolate chip stuff all over your face and hands, and that sounds awesome. All right. Do you want to give that um, that menu a, a score to par? Yeah, it's a it's a bogey. It, it's it's a five on a par four. Because um, mm. you're right, it is it all it is all pretty basic. But at the same time, like it's you know sometimes boring is safe, and and, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly, Scotty. Just playing the angles. Doing mm-hmm. what he has to, serving an appropriate meal. I'm sure it's going to be fine. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a bogey. Also, I think it's going to be good. Um, it's going to get the job done. It's not like Hideki's, and our friend Romy called that out. It's like Hideki's was like the most beautiful. It was like Japanese beef and sushi and all these delicious items. And Scotty, you know, look, he's a Texas boy. He's going to focus on defending his title at the Masters. He 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 can't worry about this. Uh, probably the most controversial Masters dinner. <laughs> in history um nick nick we're so excited for you you're on this journey you're trying to find a set of clubs for under 40 dollars, and uh mm-hmm. boy what a what a saga what that was unfolding as i was in north portland on the golf course following a text thread as you were zeroing in on some golf clubs you want to fill the listeners in yeah, so I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. A, a reader of Golf Link kind of called me out and said, you know, I should try using some secondhand clubs and comparing them to my real clubs. And I thought that's actually a really good idea. So I was pretty, pretty uh, jazzed up for this for a while. I made a trip to the, to the thrift shop. Not gonna lie, I was was pretty heavily thinking about giving up on this. I was like, I, I'm not gonna find really? what I need. Yeah, because I was like, it's just so hard to find lefty stuff. I started scouring shopgoodwill.com thanks to our recommendation from tyler um at three in the morning when um when i was like feeding my feeding my six seven month old daughter and I, when i like 
thought about this. I, I envisioned like some some nice Wilson or Spalding or McGregor irons from like the 70s or 80s. I just wasn't finding like any anything good left-handed. But then last night I found three iron through sand wedge McGregor Jack Nicholas DX irons. I don't know what any of that means other than they look cool. They look like something maybe in the offseason I'll refinish. Um it's nine clubs. I got them for ten dollars. Um, Incredible. Plus t- plus ten dollars shipping, and they're going to be here on Monday. And I I honestly I I'm I'm very excited for them. Ashley, my lovely wife, said I was like trying not to be too excited, but also I'm like conscious there's going to be another box showing up on the doorstep with golf clubs in it, and I need to kind of give her a warning. So I'm like, yeah, I got these for ten dollars. It's 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 cool. Like I'm pretty excited. And she's like, Tell me why you need these. I'm like, I actually. <laughs> Don't need them. I I just purely want them. Uh, so I'm pretty stoked. I, I've eaten up half my budget. That's the other. That's the other part. Is like it's forty dollars. I spent ten on the clubs and ten on shipping. So now I need a driver, a putter, and maybe a three wood. Um, and we're gonna get this thing going. I don't know, man. That's that's pretty good. If you if you have fourteen clubs and you got eleven of them for half your budget, I know you got <laughs> the expensive ones left, but the math's in your favor at this point. We have the photo up on there our Instagram. Was- so I want folks oh, to ahead. check it out. Go ahead, man. Yeah, check check it out. Um, one night there was a a left-handed Titleist 975D driver, um, which would be like the dream get. Whoa. Paired with like a, a right-handed tailor-made burner driver, and the two were like $11. And I bid. And like you can set a max bid somehow. So like I, as soon as I would bid, it would go up. And I would bid and it would mm. go up. So like I yeah. went up to like – I hope Ashley isn't listening. I went up to $25 and, and it was like Ooh. still, it was still like the max bid. Whoever else was outbidding me had, had set a higher max bid. And I said, okay, that's it. Cause, cause with shipping on that, you know, I would have, I would have been my whole budget, but, but a, a nice Titleist 975D would be, would be a, a really good pair with this. And then I just need a bullseye putter and I think we're good. Well, I'm really curious to see what these irons are when you get them, because it looks like it's the same era as a 975D. So I played a 975J driver in in high school for reference, and I went to high school in the early 2000s. So the D would be like slightly before that. So like a late 90s style. And I think this is probably like a turn of the century set that you have here, which would be, I mean, to have it all from the same era would be awesome. Kind of that late 90s, early 2000s era that would be incredible, especially for under 40 bucks. Um, yeah. I think you're on your way. Have you set a deadline for yourself? I mean, you're, you're, you're doing great so far. No, I haven't set a deadline, although I am definitely rejuvenated. You know, we'll get these irons. I'll, I'll probably, uh, I'll, I'll probably hit them into the garage a little bit and, and, and get excited. Sure. And, um, yeah, you know, when, when the, when the set comes together, you know, I'll, I'll know when it happens. And, um, there's really no point in, in doing this experiment on the golf course until I'm hitting the ball a little bit better than I am now. So, uh, there's no rush. I think we've got, I think we've got some, <laughs> a good amount of time before that. <laughs> Now, wait a minute. We have to get to the ball rollback here in a second, but you've alluded to this a few times, and you really got me hyped up for our prospects of winning the Corner Club Open, which is coming up very soon. In fact, I think we're mm-hmm. we're just about exactly three months away. Um, but you were telling me you were striping it in the garage, and now when you've gotten out, is is it the air? Is it the barometric pressure? What's going on when you're leaving the garage? Um, it it's just I, I'm hitting it pretty good. I, okay. You know, it's just a two way miss right now. Uh, it's a th- you know mm. it's it's not even a two way miss it's it's everything it's it's some of them are 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 beautiful and straight 
some of them are, are pushes, some of them are, are hooks to the right. Uh, I, I flew three of the par threes today, just like 10 yards long for, for no reason. So it's, it's really, you know, typical March stuff. Like I said, it's preseason, just got to kind of get it dialed in. Um, I, I got a whole new, whole new short game repertoire that I haven't been able to take to the course. So it's like, I'm standing over a 25 yard shot and I'm like, well, I think this might be the right shot, but like, I don't really know. So it's hard to be committed. So that, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I just got to, you know, see some more, okay. see some more balls, do the right thing and, and get gain a little confidence. That's all. Okay. I love it. We're, we're in different points of the season. We're, 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 we're posting out here in Oregon. We're still in the preseason yeah. out there. So it's different times. Yeah. You're, I still got two I'm or like, three more rounds before I got to post anything. I'm like that college football game that happens like August 25th, where it's like college football is technically started, but you know, April is September basically in terms of college football season and golf. So we got a little bit of time before the real mm-hmm. stuff happens. So I'll For come sure. out there. We'll kick off the season in style. It's going to be perfect. The the first rounds of my posting season will be, will be when we play together. I love it. By the way, this is an off pod conversation, but I may want to flip the days if that's possible. Do Cape Cod first and then Mountain View. Is it, it's, it's not Mountain View, is it? What, what it's Country it View, but you country can call view? it whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, the, there's there's a piece of shit golf course around here called Mountain View. I know the older I get, the more I start doing the thing that old people do where they confuse the names of stuff and they just can't get it right. And I'm going to do this with this godforsaken golf course. But you love it. Country View. Country View. Yeah, it's Folks, it's got It's got some charm. It's got, it's got some character. Um, well, we've eaten up a lot of time with nonsense, and I love that when we do that on this podcast. So, so much so that we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. And uh, there's going to be a new golf ball in professional golf. We're going to talk about that here in a second. It was announced that there is a proposal to roll the golf ball back. Bifurcation. Nick, your initial thoughts. I'll I'll get into the explanation, what it all is. But I just, I haven't talked to you about this since they announced it. You, You text me on Monday, big news coming. Haven't talked to you since. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it's probably the right thing. Um, I, I did watch Mike Wan, the CEO of the USGA, and, and he's basically saying, like, look, we're not trying to save the game right now. We're trying to save it for 40 years from now. So, like, our kid, our the next generation and the generation after that inherit a game that is, is worth playing. Like, the, they want to guard the principle that, like, golf should be a well – rounded set of skills and not dominated by one or two skills. So basically the lost art of the mid-range jumper, like they don't want to take that 170 yard iron out of the game. Um, so if you look at it from that perspective, I think it makes sense. And, and like Mike Juan also said, you know, recreational golfers are not going to be obsoleting golf courses anytime soon. So that's why the bifurcation makes sense. Um, Cause look, the, 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 best players are getting better and the average players aren't. So it would be hard to do something that's uniform across all across all golfers because then everyone would complain that you're just making the game harder and less inviting to the to the newbies to the game. Yeah, I think I think I'm on the same the same page as you. Um I kind of started off thinking that this was not a good idea. And then the more I've read about it, the more I've thought about it, the more I've listened to people talk about it, I do think it is a good idea. And so I'm going to try to do a who, what, when, where, and why real quick in like two or three minutes, 
just to kind of give everyone context for what we're talking about. Um, so I'll start with the what. The USGA and RNA on Tuesday, Mike Wan, like you referenced, Nick, are proposing a model local rule. So you're going to hear that acronym MLR a lot in reference to this. And they're proposing a model local rule to address distance gains in elite competitive golf for men. So basically what that means is they're going to change the testing standards for a legal golf ball in the eyes of the USGA and RNA for certain competitions. So I won't get into too much of the nitty gritty, but basically think of that Iron Byron golf testing robot. The conditions they're going to test it under are uh, a maximum carry number of 317 yards and a 127 mile per hour club head speed. So basically the machine is going to do that and the farthest the ball can go is 317 yards under 127 miles an hour of club head speed. That's the most technical we're going to get with this conversation. Right. right I'll just add increase. one one piece. I'll just oh, add ahead, one piece please. to that. Yeah, so so the current standard is is 120 miles an hour, I believe. So they're basically making the ball go the same distance with a 7 mile an hour faster swing speed. Exactly. Exactly. Um it's not like it's happening right away. There's going to be a 5 month feedback period from manufacturers and PGA tour and, and the masters and all kinds of people are going to weigh in. Um, if, if adopted, it would take effect on January 1st, 2026. So obviously since this is being proposed by the USGA and RNA, it's going to be happening at the U S open, the British open, Mike Juan said, it's going to be happening at the U S amateur, the mid am and potentially even the junior amateur. He said he plays with so many 16 year olds that hit the ball a mile. And he's like, this is something we have to address. Uh, at this point, um, the PGA Championship, PGA Tour, the Masters are all question marks. The conventional thinking is that the Masters is going to adopt this. They've been uh, very vocal about concerns with distance. A lot of the holes at Augusta, I mean, it's something we talk about all the time, the lengthening of the holes constantly and how you know Jack Nicholas used to hit a one iron into 15 and now these guys are hitting eight and nine iron when they really pipe it down there. It's just it's just a different hole. Um, I will say real quickly, um, this is from Keith Van Valkenburg. Um, he was very vocal uh, on Twitter. A lot of folks were. And this was a reply to a tweet when someone asking, like, what are they actually like? Why is this happening? What is the problem they're trying to solve? And, I, you know, I talked about Augusta National Golf Club. They spent 30 million dollars to buy more land. So the holes could play the way they were designed. Um, Marion, a U.S. Open site, is unable to expand. It can't get any bigger. So their solution was to grow rough around its fairway bunkers. And this was the best point that I saw. So many people were pissed off at the most recent British Open because rounds took six hours. Tiger Woods is out there six hours. You know why people were out there six hours? Because you can drive almost every par four at St. Andrews with the way equipment is right now. So again, this is going to affect 0.0001% of professional golfers. The PGA Tour might not adopt it, though it would be very strange to have a situation where the four majors would play one golf ball and the PGA Tour would not. And it's not going to happen for, what, two and a half years. And you're going to be hearing a lot about it between now and then. Uh, I'll, I'll stop here in a second, Nick, but I, I, I do think the timing is interesting, and I'm not the only person to point this out, because it was done 
the week after the Players' Championship, when all the big stars of the PGA Tour were going to be given a platform. It was done during a week where very few stars were available, so you heard Justin Thomas come out because he was at a press conference. And the next big thing that's coming is going to be the Masters, and Fred Ridley, the chairman of the Augusta National Golf Club, is going to be asked all about this. And so Augusta is going to plant its flag one way or another on their on this issue. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. I, I hadn't I hadn't uh, gone into the conspiracy theories and the timing, but that, that's a really good point. Um, so a couple things just to kind of reiterate that I think are really important. Number one, even if the proposal, as it is written today, is approved, that's not going into effect until January 1st, 2026, which sounds like forever from now. Like Gavin's going to be going to high school by then. Um, so, so like, let's not, let's not freak out yet. Um, the second thing is there is that five month feedback period. And I think all of the governing bodies knew that there was going to be some crazy reactions to this, but they're going to take all those kind of formal reactions and change this if they need to. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if whatever does happen, either they decide like, hey, this was a bad idea or we need to tweak it. Um, so whatever happens on January 1st, 2026 may look a little or a lot different from what has been proposed. Um, other than that, just some really good points. Like I wrote about this on Golf Link and I started the article with Augusta National can only move the 13th tee back so many times. Like they're, they're moving it back again for, for this Masters, but that's kind of what yeah. this is all about is like, okay, they've moved it back. But, you know, like you said with Marion, like there's only so much golf courses can grow. And then even when they do do that, well, rounds get longer and it's 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 less sustainable right. to maintain these golf courses. And, and like, what is the point if they're just going to be hitting it to the same spots? So from that standpoint, I think, it is time to address it. The issue, I think, uh, there's a couple issues that I think we're going to have with this. Number one, I don't know if I see the PGA Tour jumping onto this, and I don't know if I see the PGA of America signing onto this. Um, so now, like you said, we could have the U.S. Open and the British Open using this, probably the Masters using it, um, and the other tournaments not using it. So, like, not only are are these elite professional golfers using two different balls, but they're using a limited distance ball in the most important events in the U S open in the masters in the British open. And then they're using a completely different ball. And at one point the titleist made that I actually agree with is it's not just the distance, the ball, the, the different ball will react differently to every single shot. So like, that's a legitimate problem. Um, so that's going to be interesting. And the other big thing that I have with this is you mentioned the, the potentially being used in the junior am like what, what about aspiring elite junior golfers? Like that is going to be such a conundrum because, Hey, I'm a, I'm a two handicap and I'm a 15 year old. Okay. And like, I'm trying to gain an edge on my opponents, but I'm also like trying to qualify for the junior am and trying to qualify for my state am and the, in the U S am and trying to get, you know, but I'm trying to get a college scholarship. It's going to post those scores. Like, do I, do I start to learn two balls? Do I wait until the last minute and just play like garbage in those big events? Cause I haven't practiced Like, like how do you as like a, an elite 14, 15, 16 year old golfer balance that when you're still trying to get, like, you're not quite at your ceiling yet. You're still trying to get there, but now you've got this whole other thing you've got to deal with. So I don't know how, you know, I don't know how that's going to shake out. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, and and we'll get to someone who who has said this in the past in a second, but a lot of people are making the analogy with um, baseball, where in in college you use an aluminum bat, and when you get to the pros, you use a wood bat, and it could be the inverse where in the elite amateur game, and perhaps the NCAA adopts this and the PGA Tour doesn't. Then you have a situation where you're using a reduced flight golf ball in college, and then you get to the pros and you're using a souped up golf ball. And what if the DP Tour decides to go with a reduced flight golf ball and the PGA Tour does not? There's obviously a lot to sort out. This is a completely complicated issue. I wonder this today, Nick. Did they go far enough? Did they go far enough with this? Yeah, I mean, I don't like, know. What if you had a full? What if you had a full rollback? Not just for the elite pros, but for everybody. You put a standard on the golf ball that rolls it back to a certain distance, and everybody loses distance. I honestly, I don't think that like golf as a whole would accept that. But I would accept that. Like if if you just said, okay, we're we don't want bifurcation, we want unification. Everybody is too. playing with with the golf ball. Like in in a certain sense, it's kind of ridiculous how many different golf balls there are. Like you can have a a two piece ball, you can have a three piece ball, a four piece ball, right. a five piece ball, urethane cover, and ionomer cover, and it's like, oh my god, can we just figure it out? And like, why don't we just have one ball <laughs> like every other sport on planet Earth? Um, you know, I think that would be, it's almost like putting a toothpaste, toothpaste back in the tube where like we have, what right. we have, and we would, we would be pissed to give it up, but it would make much more sense to just have one ball. And if you don't want to bifurcate, that would be my solution is like, okay, you either take bifurcation where we all get to play however many layer golf ball we want and do what we want with it. Or we say, okay, this is a golf ball. It's the golf ball. It's three layers. It's it's got a urethane cover. It costs forty dollars a box. And Titleist is the same as Callaway, is the same as Piper, is the same as everybody else. Like it's got to meet one specific standard. Like that would probably be more ripping the band-aid off. Like we all might be up in arms for a year or two, and then it's just like whatever we forgot. Like it's just the way it is, and 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 that's fine now. People hate change, and that's what this is. Something needed to happen. Something needed to happen. It's it's it it got to a crazy level, and I don't know if this is the right answer. I'm just happy they're doing something. Um, here's what here's here's a quote. We've had to lengthen so many golf courses now, and eventually you're going to run out of property. Some of the older golf courses were going to lose them. I see no reason why we can't be like baseball and have a line of demarcation between college or amateur and the professional ranks, which would be the minor leagues all the way up to the bigs. My idea was to have it so that every professional would have to play a reduced flight golf ball. That's from Tiger Woods back in 2017, who was very vocal at the time about rolling the ball back. He obviously hasn't been asked about it. He's he's obviously going to get crushed with these at the Masters, and it'll be interesting to see where he plants his flag because most pros, Nick, as you would imagine, were displeased about this. And right or wrong? Um I understand that these guys are in positions where they're making millions of millions of dollars with the system in place right now. So whether you're a long hitter, you're a short hitter, you're an average hitter. This is scary. This is different. This is this is like the anchor ban. This you know, Webb Simpson went crazy talking about how it's got to be called golf course design. His career 
was nearly taken away from him because of the anchor ban. Adam Scott, I understand why these guys are freaked out, but to your point, people will adjust. I don't know. I think I think number one, the pros are are probably more pissed because most of them are being paid by Titleist, and Titleist is pissed. Uh, like Justin Thomas was basically reading the the Titleist right. press release. You know, I'm like, g- yeah. give me a break. Um, this is I see this as being way different from the putter ban because the the anchoring ban because that was targeted to like Jason Duffner and Keegan Bradley and, and Webb Simpson, whereas the ball affects everybody. Like, yep, you. It's like it's not like Justin Thomas has to play. It's not like if you hit it over, you know, whatever. If you're in the top ten in driving distance, you have to play a reduced flight ball, and everybody else gets to play their normal ball. It's not. It's not picking and choosing players to put it at a disadvantage. Everybody's playing the new ball. So from that standpoint, it's it's much different and more fair than the anchoring ban, where it was just like you know a handful of guys. Uh, we're tired of these guys winning. They look they look kind of dorky. Let's let's <laughs> let's take let's clean it up. You know, I the initial thought was, oh well, this is going to be penal to the long hitters, and I think it, you can pretty quickly dispel that argument. This gives them more than an advantage as long hitters. And then I think people shifted to, well, this is going to make the short hitters obsolete. I really push back on that because if you're a short hitter right now in the PGA Tour, you are so good at so many other things besides hitting the golf ball long. Like if you're a short knocker and you're out there having your tour card year after year, you are damn like look at Zach Johnson. Zach Johnson, he doesn't care. He still hits his wedges to 10 feet. He won the Masters in a British Open. Like he's figured out how to do it. I think who this really affects is the middle class of golfer. The guy who has his tour card, but is very average at everything, like 70th every single year in strokes gained putting, total driving, iron play, just middle of the road at everything. I think that who is going to be impacted the most by this because, look, I have a very expensive driver. I miss hit it all the time, and it still goes way farther than it should. And that's great because I'm an eight handicap. But when that's happening right now for someone who is trying to keep their tour card, and is pretty average at everything, you take that away, you exacerbate that difference. When you're hitting, you know, six iron into greens as opposed to nine iron and wedge like the big hitters will have, I think it's going to make a big impact on them, Nick. We'll see. I don't know. I I, I, I don't really think it's going to favor or or hurt anybody really more so than anybody else. Interesting. You just think this is, it's, it's, it's a level playing field because everyone is getting the same reduction and everyone has to use the same golf ball. Pretty much. Maybe that's an oversimplified take. But that's the intent. I, yeah. Until until they prove me wrong starting in 2026. Well, you know, we won't, we'll never know. I want to get this quote out from Charlie Hoffman because this is the argument that I've seen a lot of people make. And I used to fall on this side of the fence, but I've thought more about it. It's Charlie Hoffman. Bifurcation would be a travesty to this game. It's the only sport in the world that the amateurs play by the same rules as us. I don't know what their end game is on this. So I'll give an example. I got the um, great opportunity to play the plantation course at Kapalua a couple years ago with my buddy Andy. And I hit a par five and two, and I had two putt for a birdie. And later on in the round, Andy chipped in for birdie on a par three, hit a great chip shot. And, you know, we both shot 90-whatever. Had some white claws. What a day. We both made a birdie on a PGA Tour course. You know what? We 
we we played the same course as them, but we played way closer. Okay, those pin positions were way easier. All right, there wasn't the pressure of millions of dollars in the line for us. While we played the same course, we weren't doing the same things as those guys. It's fun to tell ourselves that lie, because why not? You get to experience the same sort of thing, kind of, but ultimately, I don't think it's even remotely close to the same thing, even if you're playing on the same course. Perfect example, Chambers Bay. They have a plaque on the 18th hole where Jordan Spieth hit a three-wood on the 72nd hole of the U.S. Open from like 265, and he hit it to 15 feet, and he made the putt. You know what you have next to that plaque? A shitload of divots, because every amateur tries that <laughs> shot. Every amateur tries that shot, Nick, and let me tell you, I, I've tried it like four times. I hit one on the button one time, and I was still a good 35 yards short of where he landed his golf ball. We're just not playing the same game as these guys. We can tell ourselves that we are. We're not. Yeah. No, it's 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 so true. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on golf is already bifurcated. Um, we, we won't exactly. do that today. But, no. like, I played 5,700-yard country view a uh, golf club today and no at no point in my round was like oh, this is this is the exact same thing that Roy McElroy does every time he goes and practices and plays like it's not the same thing it's like the equivalent of when a double a baseball team lets fans run the bases after the game it's like i played baseball at, at tiger stadium it's like yeah sure you did <laughs> that's exactly right um one more thing not every pro was upset about this, Nick. There was a quote from someone who was pleased. Brandon Matthews, who is number one on the PGA Tour in clubhead speed, number two in driving distance. Here's what he said. I'm really looking forward to seeing shot shapes again like you used to see, right? Like a shot, for example, like a rising ball flight. You don't see that anymore because of the ball technology. So you're going to see a little more of that come back, which is really cool. But I don't know how far they're going to go with this. But it's going to be a really exciting change, and I think it's going to make the game a little bit better. So that's certainly the minority opinion, but a guy who hits the ball as far as Kyle Berkshire is excited <laughs> for the ball to be rolled back. So I thought that was an yeah. interesting opinion. Yeah. Well, it's telling, too, who was saying what, right? Like If the guy right. who swings it harder than anybody else is pumped for this, like maybe it will Maybe there will be an advantage for for the longer hitters. I mean, I, I I can't really read too much into it. Like, title is freaking out. Makes me think there's going to be some sort of impact at retail. Like, Mike Wan said, we don't want to impact, impact retail. I don't know how it will impact retail, but if Titleist is freaking out, that tells me they think that somehow this is going to impact sales of Pro V1s. I can't connect well, those think, dots, but I'm just saying the writing's on the wall. Yeah, of of course. I, I, I would say two things from the... Um, equipment manufacturer's perspective a it's tough because you're now being put in a position probably to where you have to spin up an entire factory and product line of this new golf ball the other side of it is though look at the conversation we had earlier in this podcast about you wanting to find this cool retro set there are so many golf freaks out there are you telling me that if titleist puts out and I'm, I'm stealing this idea. I can't remember where I heard it. But if they put out the Pro V2, people would not buy that golf ball. The Pro V whatever, that is the reduced flight golf ball. People wouldn't buy that golf ball. It would sell instantly. It would sell instantly. Yeah. And if we're talking about a disparity in skill, instead of playing different tees, 
someone could play the reduced flight ball and someone could play the juiced up ball. Like, I just think it's change and it's scary, but whether or not this conversation is happening behind closed doors, and I have to imagine that the ball manufacturers are already talking about this and have because they probably knew this was ultimately coming at some point. They have the opportunity to get more revenue is, is ultimately what I'm trying to land on. This is this is an opportunity to sell a new golf ball for them. Yeah, it's true. That's how I, that's how I would see it. You got anything more on bifurcation? Certainly a lot more to come on this. I think Augusta will probably be um, the next time. Uh, and certainly at the match play when all the big boys come back together again. Yeah, no, I think I think we've covered it again. Um, we'll have to just wait and see. Nothing's happening tomorrow, so let's just uh, let's just stay cool, everybody. Let's give it time. We're gonna we're gonna uh, have Gavin pass drivers ed, and then the new reduced flight ball will be in place. It is time for the Mad Golf for the week. It's brought to you by Piper Golf. They ain't rolling that thing back. Use promo code Turn Ten at checkout for ten percent off everything at Piper Golf. Golf balls for plus ones and 25s for much, much less than a Titleist or Callaway. The season is here. Stock up. Use promo code TURN10 at checkout at Piper.Golf. This week, Nick, we have a very special Mad Golfer of the Week. Why, it's the Mad Scientist, Bryson DeChambeau. Mm. He says, quote, I think it's the most atrocious thing that you could possibly do to the game of golf. It's not about rolling golf balls back. It's about making golf courses more difficult. I think it's the most unimaginative, uninspiring, game-cutting thing you could do. Everyone wants to see people hit it farther. That's part of the reason why a lot of people like what I do. It's part of the reason a lot of people don't like what I do. But again, it creates more conversation in a positive way than cutting it back and trying to make everybody equal. I'm all about equality. I'm not about equity on this front. What a dipshit. God, he's so, he make, he's so hard all, to root for. <laughs> That doesn't make any sense at all. Whatsoever. No, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> second of all, he's playing on a tour that's 100% not going to enforce this model local rule. So don't worry about it, Bryson. I did think about, to worry that about it. What if five, like two times, you'll have to worry about in the 2025 and the 2026. No, just the 2026 U.S. Open. That's it. That's the only one he's exempt for. That's it. It's the last one. And other than that, he's not going to have to worry about it. Wouldn't it be funny if Liv went the other way and then played a more juiced up golf ball? I mean, honestly, oh, that would be the angle they <laughs> that would be the angle they should take is you got your wussy balls in the PGA tour. We hit <laughs> we hit it five hundred yards here over on Liv. Golf, but longer. <laughs> I don't understand. The thing that kills me about Liv is just make it batshit crazy. If you're gonna do this, be so much crazier than you are. The only thing you have is people wearing shorts, and it's a shorter tournament. Just make your <laughs> shit so much crazier than it is. Light holes on fire. Have guys driving golf carts. Like, just just be absolutely nuts with this thing. I, I just don't understand why they think a shotgun start and showing a little leg is this really experimental, revolutionary thing. Drives me nuts. Yeah, well, I mean, they've they're, they're even Liv has to cater to, to a lot of different audiences. I mean, if they want to try to get owgr points you know you can't be taking keg stands on the 10th tee um you know it's there's just there's things you gotta kind of abide by it would be great if you had if every time you made an eagle you had to take like a, a shot of jaeger or something yeah okay soon the corner club open will it be is time 
Uh, the first. They got to pay us like twenty million dollars to show up to that thing. <laughs> the Calcutta is going to be out of control if that's the case. Mm. <laughs> it is time for Nick Rules, brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code Turn Twenty at checkout for incredible savings. Theme song pending. All right, Joe. Well, I did save one potential unintended consequence of the bifurcation proposal for Nick rules. And that is how are we going to deal with these sandbaggers? Because you know, as well as Mm. I do that handicapping when there are two sets of golf balls out there is going to be even more of a nightmare than it is today. So I, I did see that they, in one of the statements put out by USGA or the RNA, they said, yes, we acknowledge that like, we'll have to adjust our handicap system. Great. How are you going to do that? Like, do I have to submit in my round that I played with the limited distance ball or that I played with the real ball? Or is it just going to say I'm a certain class of golfer? I'm under a certain handicap. Um, I see this opening a lot of doors for sandbaggers, the types of golfers who either are intentionally trying to raise their handicap to get some extra strokes, some insurance strokes for a hit and giggle or trying to lower their handicap to qualify for a specific event. Um, you know, Oh, I forgot to mention I played with a limited distance ball. Oh, well too late. Or like, what if you just play with both within like, what if you've got a sleeve of the limited distance, a sleeve of the juiced up ball, you know, Oh, you hit one out of bounds. You drop the other one in there. You intermix. Like, like what is, Man. what is going to happen? Like it, handicapping is going to be a mess. Even for the honest golfers, the sandbaggers have one more way, one more avenue to sneak strokes and adjust that thing, whatever they, whichever way they want. I feel like we just got it right, too. I feel like they just figured out the handicap system, and it's like where it should be right now. Like, I played yesterday. It was a windy day. I didn't play great. It's like on the fringe of counting towards my handicap, and I got a player's course correction of one because it was super windy. I'm like, yeah, that... That makes sense. That makes sense. And the unification between the USGA, the RNA, I feel like the net double bogey is a really, really good rule um, as as opposed to how they had it before. Yeah, this is a really interesting point, Nick. I assume you didn't, like when you were up feeding your daughter, you didn't come up with a like a rock solid proposal of what to do starting in 2026, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, there's, not, there's no solutions here. We're just we're just pointing at problems. I don't That's know. right. What we're, would you we're, do? We're not here I to fix even, anything. I even, no, I, um, I don't have even no, an idea. No, I mean, no. I think just, other that, than just play one ball. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> unification is it does keep things a lot simpler. I think. I think ultimately, with this, Nick, um, like I said earlier, I'm glad they're doing something. I don't know if it's the right thing, but they had to do something so you have to start somewhere because to just let it continue to go the way it's going it already is out of control and it would just be um you know going way too far if they didn't do anything so yeah well not 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 to continue to harp on this but distance gains are have been averaging a yard a year for 20 years that's why they're saying we're not fixing it for, for now but in in 20, 30 years, like, that is not sustainable if they if they just look the other way. And that's why something has to happen. It is. Hey, Nick, we are super close to the Masters. It is, it is right around the corner, buddy. Like, we are just a few that's weeks right. away. 
Yeah, I can't wait. Do you have Do you have a winner? Do you have Do you have like a thought of who who your winner is going to be? I mean, I think that Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm are going to win three of the four majors. <laughs> what really? Kind of. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, right, let's, let's, it doesn't even seem like that hot of there. a take. <laughs> no, but I feel like as soon as I poked one hole in your leg, like, yeah, probably. I don't know. Who cares? I love it. <laughs> Again, we're just here to ask questions, not actually answer anything on this show. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you for listening. Again, remember, if you're if you're still listening at this point, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't left the review on Apple Podcasts, you've been stealing from us low these many years. We just need your review. It's very simple. And put 40 greens in regulation. However many greens Nick is going to hit. It's so important you put it in there. Hey, the person who puts the highest total might win something extra special from me. <laughs> I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn. The Turn.